All right, folks, welcome to episode 16 of Trade Secrets. We are excited today to welcome our second guest on the podcast. So everybody meet Kevin Doherty, the president of Adventure Development. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. um, For those of you that don't know Adventure Development, um, around these parts is most notably known for the redevelopment of an area on McKnight Road called McCandless Crossing. It's about 1.2 million square feet. Um, We'll dig into it a little bit deeper, but an incredible, probably the most um, noteworthy retail redevelopment in the north of Pittsburgh in the last 10, maybe even 20 years, I would say. And it was pretty much the start of adventure development, if I'm correct, right? Right around that, 2005? Yeah, that, that's pretty correct. I, I mean, we had, a, we had a couple one-off projects okay. uh, in Charlotte and uh, down in the Raleigh area, but this was the uh, first mixed-use, uh, large mixed-use development that we'd, uh, we'd, we'd ever started as a uh, adventure development. And so before that happened, give us a little bit of background on how you got from where you were to 2005 and adventure starts. Well, I started my real estate career in the uh, mortgage financing side with okay. uh, what was originally Kerry uh, Kramer Krauss back in the day, and uh, they ultimately morphed into HFF, uh, National uh, Mortgage Banking Firm, which recently uh, in the last three years, four years, got swallowed by JLL. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started in the financing side while I was in school, and uh, uh, from about 79 to 86. John Carroll, John right? Carroll University in Cleveland, yeah, Blue Streaks, <laughs> yes. I think it's the only time Blue Streaks outnumbered people at a table there right you here go. today. All right. Sorry, Mr. Mountaineer. There you go. It's okay. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, uh, in 86, I left to go in the development business with a uh, company in Charlotte called Charter Properties. We, uh, we were, um, I went in as a retail uh, partner and developed that platform. We were doing, uh, at that time, uh, kind of specialty retail stuff and some, you know, Walmart centers and uh, grocery anchored type stuff. I did that from 86 to about 90, and then in 1990, came back to Pittsburgh um, with um, my new bride and uh, one child, and uh, um, we uh, we ran a company, started a company, and ran a company for about 15 years with my partner Guy Dorenzo, called Michael Joseph Development. We okay. were based in the North Hills and developed Lowe's Home Improvement Centers and grocery stores, and uh, did some WalMarts and that type of thing for until uh, about '04, and then moved south. And it's interesting, the banking uh, beginnings. We've talked about this actually on the podcast. Um, I got into the business without a clue as to what real estate development or uh, commercial leasing or sales meant. And many of the people who I asked, how do I get into this business? They said, you got two choices since your dad's not a developer. Choice A is go be a mortgage broker and learn the business the finance way. Choice B is go work at a real estate brokerage company. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do you think you learned in the banking world that helped then transition to the development? Because it is a big change. I mean, it's not, banking is not development. No, but the, uh, being in the, in the mortgage banking position, you were, be, you were sort of uniquely in the middle between developers and the money. And so we were taking two ends of the equation that typically don't necessarily 
meet real well. So you had to be kind of uh, all things to all people to try and create the transaction. And uh, knowing the numbers was critical yeah. to, to making it happen. That's great. Yeah, Paige just finished up her CCIM 101. We're super excited about it because, like That's you said, awesome. knowing the numbers yeah. is extremely important. So um, we'll dig into McCandless Crossing in East Field uh, down in North Carolina and then the Bourbon at some point, but we always start the talk with a conversation about current events. And the two people to my far left and far right love politics. Uh, they know that I am apolitical, and I think our crowd on this show not, knows this. Just no, not respectively, <laughs> far left and far right. Yes, that was, did not mean anything by that. See, I can't even say where, where they're sitting without it meaning something. But the reality is, it is a current event. The election was last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of national shakeup, and we don't want to get into that because that's. I mean, we're here to talk about real estate. But from a local perspective, you're working on a 400, 500 acre redevelopment of property in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and does that election impact your thinking at all, or are you um, just working on what you're working on and letting the rest kind of I mean, it always impacts because, you know, developers are having to buy chicken dinners and tickets on both sides, left and right. You've got to, you know, because you don't know who's going to be in charge. And a lot of projects can't happen without some form of participation, you know, whether it's a, a TIF or a LERDA here in Pennsylvania, um, some kind of grant. Uh, you know, if you've got a brownfield you're working on, uh, or if you're working on a, uh, you know, a teardown, rebuild, but it, it needs uh, significant in, input from um, PennDOT, you know. Right. You need to, uh, there, there needs to be some help for whatever the community, you know, you may have to study multiple intersections. So you've got to be connected uh, politically if for no other reason than to have doors open for you by the you know the bureaucracy that makes decisions that because we don't you know I'd, I'd say developers are 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 the guys that put the border on the puzzle but everybody is required to bring their piece mm-hmm. and so like in the canless crossing you know we had uh, the town manager back in the day asked me he said how many people have been involved in this in your estimation I said well I stopped counting at over a thousand because there's that many people that weigh in everything from the noisy neighbor to you know person on planning commission uh, you know the local uh, uh, union guy at duquesne light right you know you got to work with everybody and uh, they're all important and they all bring a piece of the puzzle to make it happen you know you don't do it in a vacuum so did you find any difference between the two states that you developed in like the how, what was it like the experience in pennsylvania versus was it easier was it harder in north carolina um some pieces are easier and the, like the timeline um for some of the state approval process in, in north carolina is a little faster um but the um you know the the like the environmental type stuff it's pretty consistent um, across both states. Um, you know, 
there's no substitute for connecting with people. You've got you've to build a relationship wherever you go. And the guy that is really difficult here, if you can build a relationship with them and respect them, it's amazing how things can happen faster. Uh, I think it's a lot of times, you know, when people are, that you're dealing with are um, in control of some of the destiny, and if they're disrespected, you know, you know how they're going. You know, they're they're going to they're going to treat the project with less intensity. Uh, whereas if you make it personal and they're involved and they become part of the team, they want to see it happen as well. I, I can't tell you how many times I get ideas from people that were good ideas, including uh, even negative neighbors that say, you know, I really didn't want this to happen. But here's a couple suggestions, and they'd end up being good ideas. Mm -hmm. But you know, if yeah, that building of relationships with all those pieces is is a key piece to making things happen. Yeah, certainly something of the scale of those kind of projects too, because yeah. they're just so so many moving parts. Right. Yeah. You know? so many team. things that can go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So many ways to say no. Right. And, uh, yeah, and so yeah. many one, one part holds up the everything else. Yes. You know, the toenail stops the elephant. So it's, mm -hmm. yeah. And to Michael's point, like the project scale that you're talking about, one and a half million square feet here, another three million square feet there, like these are not small projects. They don't happen overnight. And you're in a world coming back to, you know, the transition from banking into development. Like when you were banking, you had the money. You kind of were in control of what your destiny was. But then you signed up for this, where you have to pay attention to a Tuesday night election to see who's going to be impacting mm -hmm. the, in your case, in North Carolina specifically now, not only the local municipality, is it all in one local municipality or um, is it cross boundaries? Well, it's, it's, it's different than here where, you know, like Allegheny County has 132 municipalities right. with 132 different zoning ordinances. Yeah. There, it's more centralized, and in, in, in that respect, it's easier. You know, you, you, you've got to look at one code. Okay. Uh, That's in county, our county. And then, but then in the individual towns, and a lot of development is outside of the incorporated areas and might, you know, just be in the county. Well, those are treated differently. Okay. And the, the tax structure to support them, you know, the county, you're only paying one tax bill. But if you're in the city, you're paying a city bill and a county tax bill. But there's reasons and benefits to be in the city, you know, the services that the city provides. And uh, so it, it is it is a different process. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, the the um, the steps that you take, whether you're doing a, you know, corner drugstore or a three million square foot, you're About still going the through the same steps. Um, it's more capital some ways a longer time line you know i mean it's these are not short-term projects sure um, and do you have do you have clear favorite and clear least favorite steps in that process oh yes <laughs> <laughs> uh and i uh, you know i mean there's there's i mean there's the risk part up front i mean there, this is not um this is not a um uh, you know a business for people who are not who are risk averse. It's not your business you want to be in. Um, that said, uh, you know, the risk reward 
it's it's an attention to detail. It's a pennies and nickels game um, because the pennies and nickels add up. And uh, so being clear as to where you want to get and how long does it take. We made a decision as a long uh, several years ago as a company. Um, initially, we were going to be kind of mid-Atlantic, everybody in between Pittsburgh and, and Raleigh, kind of North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and all the states, you know, that you pass through in a uh, eight-hour drive car ride. Sure. Then we decided, you know what, we've got the two best markets, second, what I would call second-tier markets in the country, second-tier in size, not not quality, but second-tier markets being Pittsburgh and Raleigh, and we really didn't need to go outside of those metros. There was plenty of opportunity um, to support a, a you know a 10, 11 person organization uh, year after year for uh, for as long as we can do it. And that's we decided to make it a little easier on ourselves now. At uh, you know, I'm 62, so it's like okay, I'm going to do it because it's fun, <laughs> not because we have to. Sure. So. Do you still do the one-offs, or do you just completely focus on the larger scale? If it's if it's a relationship that that wants us involved, yes, of course we will do that. Uh, but I'm not out seeking. I'm not. I mean, I'll go through a town like Winchester, Virginia, traveling. You know, Warrenton, great towns that someday it'd been fun to do something. But at this point, unless something falls in our lap where they, you know, there's a relationship that connects us to it. It's too much effort to do the one right. small thing. It, it really is. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. If, if one of my younger uh, protégés thought that it was, I wouldn't stifle their desire and say, hey, if you think you can make something happen, you put a plan together, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll listen. You know, as other people along the way listened to me and decided whether they were in or out, you know, but uh, I'm not. I'm not seeking more. Yeah, I like Raleigh and I love Pittsburgh. You know, it's uh, we're very fortunate to work both those markets. So. The protege thing is an interesting one to bring up on your team of eleven or twelve. How many would you categorize as proteges? Um, let's see. Right now, I'd say um, uh, probably three okay, uh, so that are that are um, folks that. Uh, and I've had. I mean, we've had multiple interns. Our interns have gone on much as we were talking before we started because of the experience you get being in a small shop, getting to do more things. Um, one of my uh, former uh, 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 interns turned into a full-time employee for about three years, and I told him, I, I said, somebody's going to come after you after a few years. They see who you are, what you're doing, and you're going to come to me sort of sheepishly like, I, you know, and and I'm going to tell you, go. It's time to go. Well, this young man came. Don't convey any ideas. Well, <laughs> I mean, he, he, he got twice the income, and I said, it's great to plant seeds. He went to a major retailer, and I said, the other three people that were doing the same job with him, he was 28 at the time, were 42, 40, and 39. And he had jumped his career that fast because of right. we had you know it's when you're a small organization everybody does everything including taking out the trash and you know whatever you sure. know you, you've got to you've got to do the hard stuff too you know so uh, he got greater exposure so that's really an important piece because today that's one of those places where we could get the call 
for the relationship where they say, would you go do this deal? We need a developer. And that's happened a lot in my career where people have said, hey, I need somebody to go do this town. I can't, we can't get it done. And uh, that that's the kind of assignment you love. Yeah. Because you know you, you're, you're going you to do an open get. book. You don't you love necessarily to love to Yeah, you may do. not like the... <laughs> But, but you love depending to get the on phone what, call. what comes with yeah, it, right? There's a reason why they're making the phone call. It's because it's extremely difficult. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I always am intrigued to know, because um, this is something that is is a little bit hard for me in this industry. Um, you know, we all know credit is king. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm always curious when talking to developers, um, how do you, or how involved are you um, with the tenant mix in all the developments? And how do you determine, um, you know, I feel like recently there's been a transition definitely in Pittsburgh of wanting to keep that local flavor, like the Pittsburgh hometown pride, um, with local retailers that differentiate your shopping center from the one that's all national retailers. Um, how do you approach that decision as a developer when obviously the national retailers um, are the ones who add the majority of the value to the development mm -hmm. um, and still keep it unique and a place that people want to come to when they, when they think of Pittsburgh? It's, it's a delicate mix. You know, you have to, you have, to have um, ultimately you want to create trips and, and, and trips to your your facility and you know so the balance of uh how many of local versus how many national and keeping it interesting because not everybody wants to eat at the national trend restaurant they they like to have you know grandma's cooking at you know that special place so you you've got you've got to balance it um we have in McCandless, as an example, we do have a mix of. We recently got a group uh, signed a tenant called House of Couture, a, um, uh, a, a very nice lady shop that needed to expand, needed more space. Moved from Swickley out here, brought quite a following. She's next to Rue Boutique, another local lady shop that on the high end, and uh, but you mix and balance that with Old Navy, where we have the number one Old Navy in the in the region and uh you know you you try and have something for everybody and really to to you know our goal was we we've got about 15 restaurants and having something for everybody in the family at one point or another or somebody that comes to the hotel and they can stay the weekend not have to get back in their car you know they can walk to these opportunities that's that's it is a balance and it's something we don't need two or three of the same thing and uh, there were some the orientation of McCandless Crossing was such that we didn't put um, some types of tenants um, that you know we weren't just filling it up to fill space to, to create revenue mm -hmm. you know we, we were curating who went where who's beside who mixing and matching parking needs so that they were, you know, you weren't creating a, a situation where people were all the parkings, uh, all the parkings in one right. spot and people get frustrated. And they don't and, show uh, up again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. And what percentage would you say of those decisions are made prior to 
the building even be like the shell even being completed like what the tenant mix needs to be as far as how oh, that, many that's early on. or big buck you know yeah that's early on with our brokers mm -hmm. the, the brokers play an unbelievable important position because they control the deal flow brokers are key to making it happen when we set out to do mccandless crossing we we i literally we we sat down uh echo was our retail broker at the time and uh, we went to every brokerage house, though, in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. to, and our goal was to make sure that each of those brokerage houses were able to contribute and to earn something off of our development and to contribute something. So we went after it with that purpose. So, and, and I'm proud to say that every brokerage house has contributed to McCandless Crossing multiple times. Yeah. And on an ongoing basis. Every one of those brokers have kept in touch with me will call me, bounce off ideas. Do we? Is there something coming due in the near future? Uh, you know that kind of thing. So, brokers are huge to uh, to making it happen. It is incredible. I mean, I think Convive that was their first store, right? Mm -hmm. At McCandles. Yeah. And now they're on. He's got four, and I think he's working on his fifth store. Yeah. So that's got to feel good. Like on the flip side of it, like Paige. In the early years, has witnessed a couple uh, startup retailers who the developers are just like not yeah. going to take the bait with. Um, but then you hear those stories, and you're like, "Well, when he was found out of Florida, really? Echo found him in Florida. His wife, I believe it was his wife, was from Hampton Township. Okay, so it had a first child. It was time to move back. Sold their their coffee store and. In uh, somewhere in Florida, I think it was uh, might have been Orlando, and now it's a it's a great story of growth. He's done a great job. Ryland is uh, they're they're just solid folks, and I think they're five or six kids later. Cool. I guess they're going to have a store for each kid. <laughs> but, uh, they're they're really good operators, and they do a nice job. But uh, you know, again, I didn't find them. You know, the brokers found them but you and brought them back to Pittsburgh. You agreed to take the chance. Yes. I mean, in theory, yes. you had no credit. Mm -hmm. um, and whether Starbucks was or wasn't knocking on the door, there's, like, the credit choice. Like, Yep. And I will tell you, the one thing that we looked at with him was that there was some stability there. There was history. He wrote a business plan. I don't mind, you know, I'm a startup. Mm -hmm. So I really have a passion for people that are willing to risk, have that risk gene to try something. So we've taken several of those players uh, out there and in North Carolina that, uh, you know, we're right now in our in our tech development down there. We've got a startup food hall. We've got Shield Republic, an online business that's, that came to our, our space, um, and a uh, North Carolina wholesale flooring company that essentially we were the first location for all of them and uh if if we don't start it nobody else will you know hey. so when you when you start off a project i'm going back to its initial gestation let's just say it's a field yeah okay what's the driver there what are you what are you looking at because that's a decision that you're going to see come to fruition not even come to fruition, start to come to fruition 10 years from now. And I want to layer in, because it was on my uh, to-do today. You're in the middle of McCandless Crossing, and there's a field in North Carolina. Like, 
there's a lot going on in McCandless. There's a lot of money at risk. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you're like, man, I'm going to shift some of my energy to a field. Yeah. Well, I, I will tell you that the difference or what we learned in McCandless, as my wife said, it was the warm-up act yeah. to get to Eastfield, only in terms of like size because it's, it's, it's so much larger. It's three McCandlesses. Mm-hmm. But the what made that happen... Um, you know, the, the, the vision from it came what we learned in McCandless uh, and that collaborative effort of the municipality, neighbors, LaRoche, UPMC, all the players that abutted us that we spent time talking, getting to know, who helped pour into <laughs> curating what we ended up with. We took that, and the, that was right at the height of mixed uses really starting was 08, 09, right in the middle of the recession. And Pittsburgh was flourishing through that recession. I told people in Raleigh, Pittsburgh opted out. It wasn't participating (laughs) because the energy companies, you know, you had over 80 energy companies relocate here from what, 08 to 13. And, you know, even though some other industries were getting hit in Pittsburgh, energy was coming up. So it never... You know, we, we didn't, Pittsburgh didn't miss a beat. Right. You know, steady as she goes. And, and I thought, our project, we built right through it. And it was miraculous, really. Um, and uh, I think partly because we have such a solid, diverse economy in Pittsburgh. You know, you've got education, you've got medical, you've got banks. And uh, now we had energy and High technology. I but mean, you'd say the same thing about Raleigh. And I do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it didn't in 08 and 09. It's really, it's really added several. FNB and PNC both since that recession have uh-huh. come to Raleigh. So it's solidified a couple of the other sectors where I'd say they maybe were a little weaker. The growth, um, you know, we moved to Johnston mm-hmm. County, which I would liken to either you know, Butler or uh, Washington County as it is okay. to Allegheny. We, Johnston County is to Wake County, which is Raleigh proper. There were 100,000 people in the county when I, when I got there. Today there's over 235 and we'll be the fifth largest county in North Carolina, larger than Durham in 2030 or shortly thereafter, if, it, if the pace continues. Um, where did you get that crystal ball? Like, how did you, were there indicators that, or was it just kind of like Well, the, the, the first piece of the puzzle that I, I looked at, I was crossing I-95 at exit 97, and that had six lanes crossing over 95. Mm-hmm. And I was driving up and down 95 anyway, and I'm like, there's no other six-lane bridges. There's two-lane and four-lane bridges. I kept thinking somebody had something in mind, because that thing was built... In two thousand or built in nineteen sixty five, the six lane bridge. The six lane bridge. Oh man! And I'm thinking they were planning something big here, and that's what got my attention. And driving back and forth across it because I bought seven acres, then I bought another ten, then I got Echo involved. They were partnering for a little while. We bought, got it up to about ninety. Then we got it. They they needed to. Uh, one of the partners passed away. And they kind of were shifting gears, so we bought them out, took it up to about 180, and then um, Trump picked up Obama's uh, Opportunity Zone initiative, 
and finished it and announced it in uh, whatever it was, maybe July of, uh, no, it was November of 17. They put it into action with a plan in July of 18. We doubled down and started because we, we made an so application. You in an opportunity zone. We, well, we didn't know it at the time, but we made an application. We were, there were 19 sites uh, that applied for OZ status in the county. We were one of four selected. So when we were selected, we went ahead and said, we need more than 180 acres. We just bought everything we could. And uh, that's how we got to where we are today. And, and how many, what's the assembly? It's about, we own 411 in fee and about another 65 acres that we have in uh, contract that we haven't closed on. So that yet, that uh, are part of it, like an addition to our, our business park piece. So, you know, we'll, we, we felt like that Opportunity Zone initiative was really, I mean, it was something, it was meant to stimulate development. Sure. So, you know, we looked at it and said, okay, we're, we're in these for the long haul anyway. Um, to get your maximum benefit out of an Opportunity Zone, you need to stay in at least 10 years least in 10 a day. Years. And, uh, and, uh, and you were that already fit in. our right. MO. We're, we're long haul, we're not, we're not flippers. <laughs> Sure. Uh, you know, we've, we've, we've owned McCandless. We started it in, uh, well, gosh, I started McCandless in my head in 92. That's the first, I was representing Lowe's, got the site approved. I'm not a very good broker at the time because uh, <laughs> it took till 05 till we actually bought the first piece. But it was an approved deal in 92. Oh, we my couldn't gosh. Get, we could not get it. We couldn't get land under agreement. We couldn't get the town of McCandless to agree. It wasn't really until we started, we bought the first piece, we sat down with the town of McCandless and reimagined the whole game plan. And then we bought North Allegheny, we bought the West Campus of La Roche, a couple of smaller parcels, uh, Vic Mashuda, who was a major earth-moving uh, company here, we bought a piece from him. Uh, six tracks that came up with 135 acres. And, uh, and then kind of took that and we bought 24 tracks in North Carolina to come up with 475 acres. But, uh, but of all those uh, areas that you will outsource the residential component? Yes. You'll outsource the industrial component or do you keep that in-house? We in, in, the, um, in Eastfield, I tried to outsource it. I couldn't get anybody to, you know, build that first spec building. So we built the first one, 135,000 square foot, 36 foot clear. We researched what was, you know, critical to the industrial. We did the first one, brought a good leasing team on, um, in uh, um, in North Carolina, and uh, and they they got us a tenant, 20 year lease, um, about three quarters of the way through construction. Thank goodness. I was on my knees playing because <laughs> we're building, you know, Dollar Bank came down from Pittsburgh, took a risk with us on building this spec building. You've got a guy to build spec in an unproven market. Yes. See, now that's the, bl the blending of the, of the, the lending yeah. aspect. And yes. With the development aspect we could not do anything close to what, without our debt and our equity investors. Yeah. Yeah. And, but to, to further answer your question, the other partners in, in McCandless, we had five other developers join us in McCandless Crossing for the stuff that we didn't do or weren't, you know, didn't have experience at. Sure. Which um, Barry allowed you to yeah, get I mean, rid of the risk. 
the Pittsburgh developers, uh, Marty Gillespie, uh, mm-hmm. um, at the time, his, I'm trying to remember what he, he sold it to NVR, and he's now Laurel Capital, uh, or Laurel uh, Communities, um, two groups that did the two different senior livings, um, Widewaters, uh, Joe Scuderi's uh, company team, did a great job on the first hotel. Um, those were critical to us to make those other pieces happen at the same time. Yeah, and those are really kind of the, almost like operating entities. That the, the guys that do senior living, they do senior living. Yep. The guys that do hotels, they do hotels. But they're parts and pieces, and it's so integral to everything else that you're doing in the mixed use. You're right. You're right. Space. I mean, it was important to the cross fertilization those those uses. And I will tell you, the only thing we did for them to make their job easier, I handled all their entitlements with the town of yeah. So they didn't have to deal. The part that the developer doesn't usually like is the public meetings, and right. the, you know that part. So we handled that for them and made it so they could come in and do what they were best at, build so, the buildings. So the pacing of it, mm-hmm. as you deliver, because you have as you offload that to them. You want them to to take it and run with it. Yes. So now that piece is going to yep. deliver where the rest of them yep. go. Have you had any issues with that, or um, you know, you, you kind of got to go with what the market will give you. So you've you know sometimes you have to cancel vacations and make hay while the sun's shining. <laughs> you know, I mean it's just the way it is. Uh, but if if you've got people that are ready to go. You got to go. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you stop what you're doing and you, you work on the deals that are ready to go. And, uh, uh, you know, I never thought we'd have two senior livings in the middle of our, but we have two tiers of, of offerings. And uh, we've got a lot of seniors in the, uh, we were joking that I, that I was building the place that someday's going to house me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, you know, you want to make sure that the care and the opportunity that you put together is something that, I'd want my, my folks in or that I would want to be in or want my children to, you know, well, as you As you were building it up there, was that part of, was that something that you aimed at that we need to have X amount of senior living in here as part of our residential component? I, I really thought it was going to be office initially, but we also had McCandless Corporate Center already across the street. Mm-hmm. So we didn't want to compete with those folks. So we met with them several times and their brokers and Realized that that's not that's not our best foot forward. Um, they're already meeting that void, that need, sure. uh, and they they put a lot of people in those restaurants every day at lunch. And so we went, what is missing? And we tried, and we you know you ask, you find out what's missing by asking people, what do we not have? What would you like to see? What would you like to see that's different? Could be different. And uh, what's working, what's not working. Those kinds of questions, you get a lot of ideas. And my simple method, I write it down. And when I start writing it down, it's down there three or four times. That's my clue. Pay attention. That's interesting. I was going to ask, is the void analysis a gut or a science? We do both. I mean, you know, people that you respect and ask, I try and cross generation. Because what's important to me isn't necessarily going to be the same thing you or my kids are looking for. So, uh not that you 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 make decision by uh, you know consortium, you, but but you've got to respect everybody's opinion, and you've got to look at how everybody looks at things differently because it makes a huge difference. Oh, well, mixed use has to include mixed age. Yeah, absolutely, you don't you don't have a choice about that. Yep, it's. Uh... I mean, safety, uh, 
making sure that you know you cross multiple generations. Uh, nothing gives me a greater thrill than when I go into BJ's and they're having a birthday party and you see four generations there all enjoying it together. You know that's really that that's that's when I get I get excited. That's what we wanted to create. Some place, you know, kind of be that third place after home, after uh, you know, work or or church. You know, sure. I, I got to make sure. I, yeah, because we have a church. Have we a have church. we have churches all around us, and we had to spend time. We had the Greek church that butts up against us. We had La Roche, which is a you know a, a Catholic university. We've got a, a we've got everybody there that we gotta we gotta be respectful of, and uh, yeah, we had some. You know things that we had to talk through. How do how do we how do we how can we help each other? Yeah, you know you don't always agree on everything. Right. Um, but you know there were a couple tenants that would have liked to have been in the development that I remember my wife saying, "Not on my watch. <laughs> it's not going to happen." You know, and uh, th- those kinds of things. You know, she said that doesn't fit the vision. That doesn't fit the what we were trying to create and. Uh, and the town agreed, and uh, so we just didn't pursue those tenants, and uh, um, you know, that's it, it's worked out okay. So Eastfield, um, you started that project. Well, land assemblage started in. Well, I bought the first piece in '07. Um, okay. And then there were steps, fits, and stops along the way. Uh, that recession kind of hit us down there a little harder, but the success of McCandless really encouraged me to that we could do the mixed use because started to look at the data, really started to pay attention to the data about 2009, 2010, and I realized, cause, I mean, we, we when we moved there, my kids would say, hey, there's no, dad, there's no Target, there's no Panera, all the places that we like to go up here, we didn't have, so that was easy. Yeah, I had I had sat down with retail uh, one of the retail consultants, uh, uh, Peter Gurney, and uh, Peter did all the work for like General Growth and Cabela's and okay. all these guys, and he sat down. We made a list. We had eight hundred thousand square feet without duplicating or competing with anything that was already there. We That's could, incredible. so we we said, okay, well, let's plan five hundred. There'll still be something left for the next project, you know. Sure. And uh, that's kind of how it got started on the retail side. And then we started adding all these other components. We got two hundred thousand feet of medical plan, three hotels, uh, you know, senior living, multifamily, single family. And then I had a a, a guy that I hired out of Chicago um, eight years ago now, who came from the logistics industry. He came down and he said, "You need a business park." I'd like nobody. I knew it wouldn't be an office market because we were, you know, we were out a little further, and uh, he made his case because we already had I ninety five, we had I forty, and we had Highway seventy, soon to become I forty two, all running right through the middle of us, and uh, we also had the uh, north, south, east, west, one of five places in the U S. where the railroad crosses, so and the largest inland port. Is right across the street from us, uh, called Bailey Feed Mill. But they did—they were everything but a feed mill, more than a feed mill. You know, they huge freight, all the army stuff from Fort okay. Bragg and uh, Air Force Base and uh, biopharmaceuticals, all these things. Rail they could get to uh, five ports: Norfolk, 
all the way down to Savannah, you know, Charleston, Moorhead, Wilmington. All those were accessible by rail, which I had never even considered. I was It was totally foreign to me. But this one guy brings in a knowledge that I didn't have, and boom, he contributes. Now we got a, you know, 160-acre business park. Which is incredible. He thought what's about, the yield of that going to be? How many million square feet? Uh, about a million and a half right now. And, uh, you know, and it's it's a hot commodity right now. Right. You know, industry, what, industrial is working yeah, strong. What, what is the size, of, what's the typical size of a building that you're Well, we, we built 135,000 square foot spec, and we did that after looking at the number of um, request, re, RFIs, request, requests for information to our Johnston County Economic Development Office, and then we just took... They were averaging 70 to 80 requests a year that couldn't be fulfilled because there was not, no spec space available in the county. Yeah. Everything yeah. that was there was full. So we just took the average, and we came out. It was like about 110. But the site we chose, we could maximize the utility of the site by getting to 135. So we did. Fortunately, found a tenant. I love that you're going to the economic development departments and like having conversations. and Absolutely. Thinking Very critical, critical right. to our plan. Them, the Visitor Bureau, Economic Development, County Manager, uh, Town Mayor, you know, all of those people are critical to creating a quality of life, all these pieces of the puzzle yeah. again. It goes back to the buy-in that you needed for mixed-use mass scale. Like well, that. what I did, I brought two different groups, flew up here to see McCandless Crossing so that they could help us imagine what we would create in Eastfield because we didn't sit there and say... This is what we need to do. We said, here's the land. What would you like to see? Mm -hmm. And come up here to Pittsburgh. Let us show you what we did up there, what this group. And then we, we introduced them to the Allegheny County to guys and introduced them to the town of McCandless officials and introduced them to uh, you know, the, our, our consultants up here and said, here's what we got down here. And literally, some of the people in Pittsburgh have invested, contributed, and I mean, literally, not just financial, but made, you know, mental contributions to what we should be doing down there, and have come down, and that play back and forth because there's a there's a real symbiotic relationship between what Raleigh is and what Pittsburgh is, in terms of the economies, and I would say the quality of people. I mean, um, KDK used to have the the thing Pittsburgh's someplace special, mm -hmm. and it is. Yeah, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing place. So our goal I every season when I put my Steeler flag on my Yukon, I get hit beep beep at the light. <laughs> what parish are you from? Where 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 are you where are you at in Pittsburgh? You know, and uh I I mean first thing that went up in our food hall in the tavern, the Longleaf Tavern was the uh uh um, my number 39 football helmet because Fast Willie Parker lives about 30 miles oh, really? from our project. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, Myron Cope's terrible towel is hanging in the center spot right above the tavern. So, Yeah. So, man, there's two places I'm going to go, but um, you just talked about relationships and investors. So talk to us about, you know, this isn't all just your money, right? Like you no, actually, no. you need banks, but you also need other investors on lots of different levels. So talk to us about what syndication means to you and 
making things like this happen. Well, our in our business card, our V and adventures capitalize for a reason because everything we do is a, a venture, a joint venture of maybe a landowner, a tenant, that. That's awesome. a, a capital source. Um, we've raised money friends and family style. Um, and, you know, getting people to jump on the, the trip with you uh, and take a risk is not easy. You know, so I, my simple uh, example uh, for any investor, uh, um, I would say, you know, you got it's got to be the top of your capital stack. Um, and I got to, frankly, I don't want to invest. I don't want people investing with us that we don't enjoy, that 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 I can't have dinner or lunch with, and uh, and they frankly they got to be of the ilk. I've said, I said, I, you know, this is a criteria, but. I got to be able to leave you alone with my wife for an hour. You know, <laughs> that those three criteria really were kind of, uh, I married way beyond my means. And, and so that was a, that Ditto. was a key thing. You know, I mean, you, you know, the, the type of people I'm talking about. Yeah. So, uh, it, it can't be your college tuition for your, your kid that I'm not going to take it. Right. It's got to be your highest risk money. Right. Because, Real estate is not a liquid investment. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so I like that. It's a very unique way of explaining it. First time I've ever <laughs> heard that. <laughs> she probably would be upset, but but it's the truth. I mean, you know, you just want life short. Uh, all our projects, when we do a project, I think about. I'm going to have to answer someday. Good Lord, did this project glorify God? Did I do something of value here? Did we create? Yeah, we take other people's money. We better use it wisely. And uh, so Hope and I, we don't ask anybody for money until we, we typically will do, depending on the size of the project, 10 to 15 to 20%. We'll invest first, and then we'll ask. Uh, but we want to make sure we've got skin in the game. It's not, uh, you know, we, we, don't, we don't take that responsibility lightly. So... Now that's the best answer I've heard to that question. We just successfully raised capital for our third investment, and it's an interesting experience for sure. It's uh, hard. It's, it's very hard. hard. Sometimes it's too easy because yeah. yeah. people don't ask enough questions, and you're mm. like, man, I, wild. But yeah. um, that I've talked to a lot of people about the experience of raising money, and that's, that's by far the top response I've got and it leads directly into where I was going to go with the next one so you break ground at some point um, prior to 2020 COVID hits you're in the middle of a 400 acre development you clearly have a lot of capital at risk you have a lot of bank risk Um, then the world recovers development progresses you land some really good tenants down there um, do some leases, and now we're in a year of disruption like I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Coupled with interest rates have grown by two hundred percent since you started the project. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, so many questions. Like why do you do this to yourself? But um, <laughs> like, how do you have the forethought to be able to think well? When I'm in year four of construction, my interest payments are going to double. Mm-hmm. Like, or do you not? And you just or how do you or I mean, reassess. There's, there's some some things that I just remember. You know, people way smarter than me 
imparting wisdom all along the way. I mean, I've had huge uh, amount of people that mentored me, you know, that helped. And I'd, I'd say, don't sweat the small stuff. It's, it's a simple one, but, you know, it's still stand. Mm-hmm. Keep standing no matter what, you know, that's critical. And do what you say you're going to do. Deliver the bad news when it when it's there. Just be honest. You know you got to tell the truth, and uh, those kinds of things have have served us well. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, COVID. When we literally redid and amended every single lease that we had at McCandless Crossing, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I got to talk to this tenant because I know they're 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 going to. You know they're going to be a problem. They never missed, never missed a payment. And the ones who you thought would be fine, boy, that was a discussion. You know, sure. <laughs> so you know it's never, um, it's never quite exactly how you expect it. But I think flexibility is really important, and uh, just stay the course of the mission, though. And uh, you know we've we've surrounded ourselves with great lenders, great consultants, uh, just good people. And we've had good people, investors that we have, we can go to for advice and help. And I mean, even if I haven't done, I mean, I've still got plenty of people. I, I learned from my kids now, you know, I mean, truly, I, we had to try and figure out, do we need electric vehicle charging stations in every one of our properties? Uh, I remember July of 19, I, my kids were accusing me of being technologically illiterate. And uh, so I went, I got the Uber app, I got the Starbucks app, <laughs> and I bought a 39.9, the cheapest Tesla you could get, because I didn't know anybody had had one. I had one guy in my Vistage group that okay. had, had one, and he said, yeah, go get it. And uh, I didn't even get the floor mats, you know, because I was trying, I'm like, if this, is, if this is a dud, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, <laughs> well, best car, you know, ever owned, all that. I mean, can't, can't say enough about that car. Um, Still driving it 40,000 miles later. Just use it as my local. But that's all coming. And there's a boatload of companies in Pittsburgh yeah. and Raleigh are both in the middle of the uh, autonomous vehicle Boom, and the yeah. electric vehicle industries, and which is going to serve these cities, both uh, these communities, really well uh, for the next 50 years. So. All right. Well, before we get to our last question with Kevin, what do you guys think about the bourbon? This was the birthday present, so thank it you. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It's, it's good. very it's good. Happy birthday, Bourbon. Calumet Farms small batch, and it's a mixture of a 15-year-old as well as an 8-year-old bourbon. I love it. Thank you, guys. It was a yeah. fantastic birthday present. Um, so we're going to have him discuss this with the team, but since we now have a name for our podcast, which is Trade Secrets... Um, and it's really not about our trade secrets. It's just about the play on TRA and CRE. But when you look back at everything Adventure's doing, what that you're willing to share anyways, um, would you describe as the trade secrets for your success? Um, I think perseverance. We just, you know, when we, we um, and it's not, um, I, I think it's a collaborative process. Uh, in our firm, you know, everybody has an opportunity to contribute, weigh in, and and uh, uh, make it happen. Because it, you know, it's it's somebody had to start it. Um, but yeah, I think those those are 
key elements of how we've been successful. We've, we've been willing to uh, um, get out of the way when it's time to get out of the way, put our ego aside and let somebody that's smarter and better, um, if it adds value to the project, adds value to our investors' uh, investment. And uh, that's, most, that's important. It's important that we do work. Uh, my dad used to say, when you do, when you work on what you want, with who you want, when you want, it's not work. And <laughs> yep. he died at 88 with four jobs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, he lived it. So I, I've, that's always stuck with me that, uh, you know, um, biblically, there's nothing about retirement in the, in the, in the word. So I kind of go, you know what, I'm supposed to, I'm here for a reason. As long as I'm here, I'm supposed to be doing something. And I'm not that good at any other stuff. So uh, I'm not a very good golfer. Uh, my wife will tell you I'm not, uh, you know, I, I, this is something I think I, I've grown to understand. I will tell you, I, I think about one thing I do like to do, and I currently do this a lot still with other uh, young people, mentoring, uh, because I was mentored. And I, I joke, but Bob Carey, his wife, who's Bob unfortunately passed. He was an icon in the real estate industry here, along with John Kramer and Dick Krause, um, you know, back in the um, late 70s, early 80s. And uh, uh, Bob, if those guys had been shoe salesmen, I'd be a shoe salesman today because <laughs> they took an interest in me and encouraged me and encouraged me and directed me and, you know, kept me on the, the right path. That's how I learned it. You know, somebody, uh, you know, watching over and uh, making sure that, you know, your your motivations were good ones. You know, money can can come from a whole slew of things. Right. Uh, that's not that's not a good motivation. Um, yeah, McCandless. Uh, one thing I'm very proud of there. Those are 2,200 jobs that are now there that weren't there. Right. And. Uh, uh, in uh, Eastfield, our economic development, um, they they hired Sanford Holhauser, which is like a like a think tank kind of organization. Okay. That they did an economic impact on our based on our plan, and we will end up somewhere between thirty five hundred and fifty five hundred jobs. That's a lot of impact. That's a lot of impact. And uh, you know, we get excited when a company says they're moving here and they're going to bring seven hundred jobs. 5,500, that moves the needle. That moves the needle. So um, that's why we're doing it. And, uh, you know, we want to, at the end of the day, I want to, I want to have, you know, done my best. That's awesome. With our team. So. Well, cheers to that, to perseverance, collaboration, and mentorship. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank Thank you you for having me. This was was great. I appreciate it. This was wonderful. All right, folks, uh, episode 16 is in the books, and uh, thank you so much for coming, Kevin. You bet. Really appreciate it. I, I do, too. Thank you. All right. Take care. You bet.